We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Coming at you Monday morning. It's March 6th. And we've got a little in-between day here. Uh, in between the Wolves back-to-back-to-back wins in California over the weekend and before they play the Sixers back in Minneapolis on Tuesday night. Uh, Chris Hine from the Star Tribune is my guest today. And he also just got back to Minneapolis after spending... Last week on the road with the Wolves in San Francisco and L.A. covering this Wolves road trip. Chris, we were talking about literally right before I hit record about a week ago, like Monday, how this team was feeling and kind of I was like adjusting my just for own my own personal reasons. Like thoughts about where the year was going to go and thoughts about what are the likelihoods of the playoffs, like <laughs> literally just for me. And because it, it seemed like that, it seemed like this team was kind of sputtering right out of the all-star break and kind of in like a real way where you're like, I'm not sure it's going to turn around. Um, but it did. They win three games in a row from there. And I think we all, or I did from afar, sort of feel a shift in this team over that time I wasn't there. But you were there and you tweeted this being there in person. I've covered a miserable, I've covered a few miserable West Coast road trips in five seasons with the Timberwolves, trips that effectively killed seasons. This one felt like it rejuvenated a season. I think we all are seeing trappings of that, watching this team, but you were there, you were in the locker room. What what makes you say that? I mean, basketball reasons, but also what did you see being there around the players, being there around the team that makes you feel like the season has been rejuvenated. Although, like, knock on wood, at all, like this could look stupid right. in a week. But like, <laughs> right. why? Why a do you week say from that? Now they've lost. Yeah. So uh, let's go back to that Monday, specifically that Monday, sure. Sunday night into Monday. They lose to Golden State, and Monday they have a practice in LA. And I, I heard you talking about this with Kyle a little bit uh, the other day. But uh, I tweeted after the Golden State game and reported kind of out of the locker room, mm-hmm. like, you know. <laughs> they really aren't all that upset with how they played Sunday against Golden State. Like, yeah, the game didn't quite happen down the stretch the way they wanted it to, but it wasn't like an existential crisis in the locker room. That or tweet, like, that like, tweet might have been what made me 
like in my head go, right. okay, let's play accordingly <laughs> not for the playoffs. Right. It just added to your misery. It's yes. like, oh no, they don't share my misery for how this is going. <laughs> so therefore it's worse than we actually yes. think. Um, and then Monday, I just wrote a kind of a basic story just going around to some of the guys that practiced in LA. I'm like, what's the mood of the team like? It was like, yeah, things are things are good. You know, J Mac was like, we're keeping the vibes high. And mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like, okay, well. Let's see if this is a good thing that you're staying so level-headed when the the you know social media and what what have you around you is the sky is falling, um, and you know. But that's I think sometimes to your benefit as a team where it's like okay, we're this is our mindset. This is what we're going to do. We believe we're playing better. We believe it's it's we're close to mm-hmm. turning a corner here. Let's see what happens, and then sure enough, the next three games they go out and win. Mm-hmm. So. You know, sometimes not giving into social media group think is a good thing, Dane. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, but, Twitter, sometimes Twitter doesn't have all the answers. Is, is what we're is what we learned. That is that is true. I I do think though, in that time, just from like a basketball standpoint of playing and aggressive, mm-hmm. and even like some different role. Like I think about I think about that time between the Golden State game and the Clippers game. Seem like Conley changed, right? Even just like what he was, yeah, yeah. Mike Conley, what he's trying to do. Like, I, I'm not saying the players at all, at all are wrong for having felt that on on Monday, but I also think it would be wrong to not point out that the way they played in the Washington, Charlotte, Golden State games was a completely different way than they played against the Clippers, Lakers, and the Kings. So something shifted there within the group and maybe that's a product of keeping the spirits high maybe it's like you need to keep the spirits high to sort of ride the wave right i was talking with kyle yesterday about how there's kind of historically been some acclimation process to finch's system you know and Mm -hmm. being coached by like maybe they just needed to wait it out a little bit longer get more time more reps all the cliches but something for sure did happen it seems going from san francisco to la and the way that they then played against the Clippers. Let's just move to that one. What what stood out to you? Again, it can be from the game or just from kind of sights and sounds around that first game in LA against the Clippers. Well, the Clippers game, I think you put if you're Jaden McDaniels, you put that that's your highlight reel for <laughs> you know the regular season here. I think yeah, that was a Jaden McDaniels uh, extraordinaire right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Ant was struggling as he has coming out of the break. He was inefficient. Um, and they needed they needed somebody to step up desperately right. in that game. And Jaden was the guy that did it. 20 points, defense, uh, defensive exhibition all For over sure. the floor. Um, and he won them that game in in, in my mind. Totally. Uh, and and some decent late game execution won them that game as well. That That's was that point. was the night of that that one play where Ant gets uh Ant sees the read of Anderson making the cut. Yep. You know, everybody's kind of looking at Ant. Anderson goes back door behind the defense, reemerges on the other side of the floor, and they find Gobert for a for a rolling dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I I think that that play alone was like such a sigh of relief for everybody involved, fans. I think them as well. It's like, oh look, we executed something late <laughs> in the game for an easy bucket when it mattered most for real, and we put this game out of out of reach. Um, so I think I think that was just a big, big boost for them. 
And Conley is has been a different player over the last week. He has been much more aggressive in looking for his shot. I think he, that's very noticeable. Uh, it started in that Clippers game. He was taking more of those, I think, flo- the floaters. Mm-hmm. They weren't falling. In the Lakers game, they started to fall. So he has realized that, oh, these guys, I can't just be passing here. Like, right. they need me to score a little bit. Like, we have, you know, they don't have enough offensive firepower right now mm-hmm. to, to really survive. And I it makes with, sense with that it would Carl. take him a little bit of time to recognize that. Right. You also, like, like the Wolves are kind of weird in that way where you you, you come in. I would imagine if you're Mike Conley, you come in, you go, okay, well, Ant on this team as a guard who's a super high usage guard, right? Offensive, right. Uh, more offensive player than defensive player. And you kind of like, if you're Mike Conley, you just like to hand you the roster for the first time you're going through and you're like, okay, you know, Nasri, Jalen Noel, a lot of these guys, you're like, okay, more offense than defense. And so I would assume like your initial reaction if you're Conley is to kind of be the table setter, watch. But then you play a few of those games and you go, okay, these teams are loading up on Ant. Jalen Noel isn't playing in the games because he's hurt. Right. Like, I think Conley did a good job of recognizing just that, what you said. Of like, this team, at least for right now, needs significantly more just usage out of the point guard position. And I think you saw that progress from the Clippers game to the Lakers game to probably the the Kings game being the most. And that does tie to the late game offense stuff, right? It's a good yep. memory of, of the Clippers game kind of changing that because I thought that was huge in the Kings game too of like, like, damn, all right, here we go. Five minutes left in the game, close game. The Kings have been really, really good in the clutch the whole year. Like, that's what I'm thinking. And as I'm watching that game, I'm like, ah, the Wolves have not. What's going to happen? I think <laughs> they've started, you know, like yeah, laying a path to be able to be competent in in clutch time situations where you don't necessarily put them at a disadvantage. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. A lot of that has to do with Conley. I mean, Mike Conley's new to the Timberwolves, but he's certainly not new to the NBA in clutch time situations. <laughs> um, so, you know, seeing him knock down an open three, like late in that Lakers game or late in the Kings game, mm-hmm. like that's not, you know, it's not something that's new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another another note, you know, and talked about it a little bit is the emergence of Nikhil in sure. the rotation. Um, began out of the All-Star break. We saw him getting some some major minutes you know, I think he played. I think he's played twenty minutes or thereabouts in every yeah. game since the break. Even before he started to really play well, these last couple of games. Um, but I, I just, you know, you gotta love his energy. You gotta love his how hard he plays. And I think that's the one thing that ingratiates you to a fan base right away, right. especially this one. They see effort. They see hustle. They see intensity. And he he has all that. He he plays defense, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not surprised at all that he has become like the new fan favorite <laughs> off the bench here because he fits the the fan favorite model. Like, oh, a wiry guy coming off the bench to play a lot of defense and knock down an open shot. Um, and I, he's he's been exactly what they needed off the bench with Noel Hurt Rivers kind of struggling a little bit here. Um, he combines a little bit of what noel do and rivers does and yeah and you know it's yeah he's exactly what they need coming off the bench right now and what do you uh so i, I don't know listeners could kind of remember this too like the conley trade happens they're on the road they go to memphis i mean you're, you're there we never really got like the the whole like press conference type 
situation where you get to really kind of know the players to to any major extent, right? Like, and then once they did get back to the city, obviously, like all of us are a little bit more focused on Mike Conley angle and trying to, you know, scramble and understand who Mike is, how he is. And then, you know, Nikhil doesn't play the first couple of games afterwards. And, you know, I guess just full transparency. I was like, okay, well, maybe like I'll look into figuring out who Nikhil Alexander Walker is in like a couple of <laughs> weeks once things slow down. But I, I'm just saying from my perspective, I don't feel like I really know Nikhil at all to the extent that like you do as a reporter. It just, we haven't really had yeah. that, that time. It feels like what, uh, I mean, we see the, the playing hard. That's obvious. It's, it's the, it's the Vando, it's the Pat Bev, it's it's that stuff. Like you said, that the fan base loves what to, and maybe you haven't had a lot of time, but like being around him, what what do you get personality wise from Nikhil Alexander Walker in, in terms of who and and how he is? He's a very thoughtful guy. Um, you, you see him reading books at his locker, Interesting. Um, which is one of the he's only maybe one of the only guys that does that like your boy jared um, bayless on the team like jared bayless used to do yeah, yeah back in the day um he reads books on like kind of like philosophy kind of like life coaching kind of <laughs> stuff um you know tries to take it to heart you know when he when he's talking about basketball he was very very thoughtful mm-hmm. you know well thought out answers um you know asking some of the, the team about and what they like playing with them they admire his work ethic they think he works really hard um, that's the one thing that stood out in all the, in all the quotes that, that other, mm-hmm. other guys said about him. Um, I think one of the answers that, that stood out to me early on when, when we talked to him, I think it was maybe back in Memphis when we first mm-hmm. chatted with him was he played for Finch in new Orleans when Finch was an assistant there. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like my first year Finch was telling me all these things. And everything that he said or told me about like life in the NBA or things like that has come true. Basically hmm. he's like, and I was maybe too stubborn at the time to know it. Right. Um, but he's like, I've learned a lot in these last, you know, three, four years. And, and um, so he's got familiar, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, right? He's got familiarity playing for Finch a, sure. and he's got familiarity playing with Rudy Gobert. So if you look at it, he, he kind of is like, I totally what, understand. What the that. Yeah. I told right. He's everything that the Wolves kind of look need or want out of a out of a bench player. Played for Finch, has familiar playing with Gobert. There was that one we have, we have a, a at the at the Lakers and Clippers, we're behind one of the baskets for for media row. Okay. Um we're behind the basket which was by the Timberwolves bench. So, I got a good look at one of the bounce passes that he had mm. to Gobert, and he did the thing where he didn't throw the bounce pass at Gobert's feet. He bounced it upward to him. It's I'm like, like that's the sign. <laughs> that's the sign of a guy who has learned yeah. after playing with with Rudy Gobert that like Ant or Jaden still haven't mm. figured out yet when it comes to <laughs> passing to to Rudy, but he's got it. Mm. Um, he he learned from it. Um, and it's interesting to see the three of them playing together as well. And I, I don't think that's, uh, you know, an accident. Yeah. I, I looked it up. I'm trying to remember if it was 51 or 59 minutes, but somewhere in the fifties is how many minutes Alexander Walker and Gobert played last year, which you go like, okay, how much could you really learn playing with somebody in that time? But we forget that they practice. There's practice reps. <laughs> yes. Practice you, counts too. You, yeah. Yeah. That actually probably matters more. 
uh, yeah. you, you spend more time together like that. And, and so, yeah, I think like hand raised definitely overlooked that element of the, I, I mean, the way I looked at the Nikhil Alexander Walker part of the trade was like, oh, this fits a young player on a rookie contract, right? You got some cost control with him being a restricted free agent. Like that's a good extra piece, right? To, to have gotten in the trade, quite frankly, a piece I'm surprised they got back in, in the deal in addition to draft capital. And like that in and of itself to me was a win, right? It's a, it's a guy who, whether or not he's done well card. in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Or, it's, it's a lottery it's, ticket. Yeah. Lottery it, ticket. Yeah. But like, but like one of those lottery tickets that has like a decent chance of winning you like 20 bucks, even if yeah. you're not going to win 20 grand, you know, like it was, yeah. it, it was one of those, but I think we, yeah, we definitely undersold the familiarity part of this. And if there's one thing we should know 66 or whatever games into the season right now is familiarity is critical with this team familiarity with the coach and specifically familiarity with Rudy Gobert, like those elements. I I just think with the proofs in the pudding, right? Like that matters yeah. within this group and, and Nikhil Alexander uh, Walker has that Chris, let me grab our, uh, our first break here. We'll, I guess we got a little bit more of the road trip to touch on. And then I also want to get into your Jalen Noel future. You, you wrote yesterday, but we'll be back with Chris here in a sec. Today's show is brought to you by The Genesis Company. The Genesis Company is the MVP of the business game. With their advanced marketing techniques, they've helped over 300 brands generate over $3 billion in retail sales. So if you're an entrepreneur with any size brand or product, they're the best in the business. And for being fans of the pod, they're offering free access to their proprietary AI technology that helps founders uncover the true potential of their brand. Find out how big your brand or product should be. Don't let your competition steal the lead. Email them at grow at thegenesiscompany.com and claim your spot at the top of the game. That's grow at thegenesiscompany.com. Today's show is brought to you by Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul. Hyacinth is one of my favorite restaurants in the cities and a place that I think is easy and comfortable to go to if you're looking for kind of an elevated dining experience that is still comfortable. That's been my experience when I've gone to Hyacinth with my friends and with my family. Um, it's it's also a restaurant that is using all Minnesota products year round, which I think makes it cool, um, whether it be for the menu items or the cocktails. They'll kind of have like a wintry vibe to them. And I think that can be fun this time of year if you're looking to go out, whether it's for a, a fancy dinner or just something more casual on a random weeknight. You can make reservations there. Those are those are ideal. But if you're going in the wintertime and you're going on a weeknight, also walk-ins are uh, more than normal there at Hyacinth. So if you haven't checked out Hyacinth, uh, I, I challenge you to you know look at their website, check out their menu. They also have an Instagram page with a ton of their uh, menu items on there. Uh, again, you are going to go out to eat. And I would just recommend that you put Hyacinth at the top of your list if you're looking for a new place to check out in the city. So that's Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul. All right, Chris, we're kind of uh, moving through the the whole road trip that uh, that you were on here with the Wolves in, in California. Over the week, we, we've talked about the emergence of kind of Conley here, Nikhil Alexander-Walker kind of stepping up to to define the bench. That That kind of started happening at the beginning of the trip, even back with the Golden State game. Uh, you lose the Golden State game, you win the Clippers game, things are kind of looking to change. Then it's the Lakers, right? That one um, feels a little extra loaded, particularly at the time, for some standing stuff, but also because Malik Beasley's on that team, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, that you knew there was going to be a little extra 
juice to that one. Uh, again, I think that's one of those things you probably see better in person uh, at the stadium. What uh, what stood out about the Wolves playing the new Lakers that they kind of helped contribute make? Because half their team seems like they're from the Wolves. <laughs> Um, first of all, Malik Beasley was very fired up for that game. You could see that uh, in person. I, Not I, shocking at all. Remember every time they played Denver? Remember every time they played Denver, that dude was like, right. I am gunning. Yeah. Right. He uh, he was very excited to play them. Uh, there would be no hard feelings between anybody there. Yeah. I remember one, one timeout, Beasley hit a, hit a corner three, um, and Finch called a timeout right afterwards. And and Beasley walked by Finch as Finch was coming out to mid mid court there, and and Finch just like patted him on the back twice as he was going back to the huddle. So yeah. <laughs> seemingly okay, okay, yeah. uh, you know, relationships there. Um, you know, there's obviously a little extra juice there, um, and they're going to end up playing these guys. You know, uh, Vanderbilt and Beasley are going to end up playing the Wolves five times this season. That's crazy because of you know the trade and the fact that the Lakers come to minnesota at the end of march that would have crazy it was right there's a crazy amount of times to play a team like only that can only happen if you get traded right literally um yeah <laughs> um I, I think what stood out on that lakers game it was a team effort um i think top to bottom because the bench got them the lead in the first half yep. kind of overcame that that early start rudy picks up two fouls uh early kind of playing that off the ball roamer kind of role yep but then he comes back in and is guarding ad straight up which they said they were kind of interesting comments after the game like finch said like that was going to be the plan anyway later in the game and um what? you know <laughs> like they were going to switch to that and rudy i think huh. kind of said the same thing um but the, the second shift he goes back in there and he's, and he's guarding ad again yeah the rest of the game Right, the rest of the game. So it was, you know, that that plan was discarded very quickly, and he did it. Um, you know, AD had that huge first quarter, and he had a good game overall. But mm-hmm. I, I don't remember. I, I remember Rudy at least either turning him into a jump shooter most of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, or just not having that much success against him. So it was a really big Rudy game uh, against the Lakers. Um, been a really big know, Rudy road trip, man. Been a big Rudy road trip. Yeah, he's he's looked really good. He's looked really good. I think I think you tweeted it out. I think it was in the Clippers game. I remember something you said about we need to remember all the times that teams yeah. try to go small against the Wolves and it doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? And I think you know there might have been instances when Sacramento tried to do it a little sure. bit too, and it didn't quite work. Certainly not. The Wolves to the... were able to take advantage of it. Yeah, it's one of those weird things. I mean, even dating back to Utah, like it just pops more when it doesn't work. Right. It's right. like there's something about the imagery of a six foot eight guy like pump faking and burning by Rudy Gobert from the three point line that just like sticks in your mind and you attribute it back to the the playoffs and all that. And when it doesn't work, it's just grayer. I, I don't know. It, it, it's right. not it's not really like, oh, Rudy just dunked on this guy, you know, like, right. I mean, he kind of he kind of took Paul George that one time, you know, into the paint or yeah, in the Kings game, he was just effective. But it's it's like the quintessential Rudy thing, right? Where the bad stuff pops. You you notice it so much, right? And, and the good stuff accumulates very quiet into like in the aggregate being something that's that's positive. And you know, quite frankly, it's just something Wolves fans or those of us who cover this team, like I've learned to learn, right? And and not 
and not be taken by the the bounce pass that was low, but you're like, oh, you probably still could have caught that. You know, like letting go of some of the bad stuff so as to acknowledge the whole picture, which has both good and bad stuff in it. Like that is just the reality of of the Rudy situation. And and I think like if the small ball thing is a micro example, a more macro example is looking at this past week, like while this team has less offense right now without Cat and after losing D'Lo, like you need more from somewhere. There's not a lot of options of where we can go. It's like Conley turned up the volume on on his game, but so did Rudy. Like Rudy, something like before the break was averaging, I don't have these numbers exactly in front of me, but it was like 10 shots per 100 possessions. And now he's up to 15 shots per 100 possessions since the trade. Like for a player who that's not, the strongest part of his game to be able to do that and to be able to do that effectively. Again, we got to kind of acknowledge that in the macro of like that, that helps, you know? And I, I don't know. It, it's like I said, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but it's just these things that we need to kind of reprogram ourselves. If we want to give the Rudy Gobert, like you could still be mad at the Rudy Gobert trade or whatever, what the value of the trade was, but that doesn't necessarily need to, translate to what you feel about him as a player game to game or week to week right he there's right. something unfair about putting five first round picks on his head every time you know he steps on the floor like he didn't make that trade you know what i'm saying he didn't um and but i i get the frustration though. for sure you know i i totally understand the frustration when you don't when when it's hard to see the benefits and and you know as we've learned it takes a lot to play around him as well and to grow accustomed to that. And so there's frustration there. It's like straight of five first round picks and guys have to get used to playing with this guy. You know, right. like you get it. Like you know, I under, I totally understand it. Um, but it's like, okay, same... what, what if Rudy Gobert would have got traded for two or three first round picks to Atlanta, you know, in, in the off season, right. They would have mm-hmm. still, the same, pro- I believe, like the same problems, the same time it would have taken that it's taken Gobert to acclimate here, it would have done that elsewhere. Or if the Wolves would have just traded two first round picks for him rather than five, you know, like mm-hmm. he is just the player and it's different than KD. And maybe this is, you know, something that people can point to in the trade and be like, well, KD got traded for something similar and look at him like right away, you know, he's hitting game winning shots like three games into the, in the thing. And it's, it's just there's a difference in the archetype of player that Kevin Durant is who got traded for a bunch or Donovan Mitchell who got traded for, for a bunch or DeJounte Murray who got traded for a bunch. Those guys have the ball in their hands and do things offensively where Rudy does the ads value in the aggregate, which is not a sexy thing, but <laughs> it it's just different. And I think it takes sexy long- to nerds like you, though, right? Yeah, Dave, a little bit, a little bit, you know, <laughs> analytics nerds like you. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm just rewiring myself to appreciate the things that I think are worthy of being appreciated by Rudy, because I think I've been hard. You've been, we've all been hard on it overall, because that's just being fair. I think, right. Is, is Mm -hmm. just calling it is what it is game to game, week to week overall. And it's, it's up and down. It's a sign curve, right? Like it, it, it is going to be this way. I just think, at least for right now, we should say Rudy's playing pretty well right now. And in time where the team needed him to play well, 
Um, and, and he's fitting with Conley. So if we just isolate for these last eight games, I don't know. The trade doesn't look that bad. I, I know right. it's not just about eight games, but if you look at just these eight games, it doesn't look that bad. Yeah. It, sorry. We're good. Okay. It, it cut out there for a second. Uh, if we can edit that out. Um, so, yeah, I think it strikes back to something that Finch said right before the trade happened. In you, I remember in Utah uh, before the game uh, that, that night, it was kind of like, you know, the, 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 everything was close to being done, right? It wasn't officially official, but everything was out there. Everybody knew what was happening. So we're going through like the pregame media availabilities. And, you know, Will Hardy says his things about Conley. Obviously, like, you know, saying essentially goodbye <laughs> in that moment. Um, and then Finch talks about like, Finch got asked a question by one of the, the Utah reporters about Gobert and just, you know, try to play around him. And, and Finch's answer was, you know, this was a roster in Utah that was catered in and around Rudy. Yeah. You know, and it was guys that play well with him and tried to maximize him, you know, in what he does well. And so that's what this trade did for the Wolves. Now we can we can talk about the value in this or dispute this if, whether this is the direction the franchise should go is trying to build and find more pieces that are going to maximize a thirty year old Rudy Gobert and not you know say a twenty one year old Anthony Edwards at the end of the day mm -hmm. but that should be the primary focus. Um, but that is what this trade did, yeah. and you're seeing the benefits of it right now over the last week. So. That that to me is is what stands out over over the last week. This trade is starting to bring out the best in Rudy Gobert, mm -hmm. um, and it's good. It's good for the short term. Whether or not you think it's good for the long term, I think is another discussion. Yeah, it is. And and mm -hmm. to to be clear, what I'm doing is just acknowledging this week or ten to eight games since because yeah, mm -hmm. like if we were, I mean, we could go through. We probably should go through and do this at some time and be like. All right, let's put a grade on the first ten or the first twenty games of Rudy versus the third game twenty one through forty versus forty one through sixty. Like they all get different grades. I think the main thing we should be looking at is has that grade improved over time, right? And because the trade is the, the trade happened, they got Rudy Gobert, they got Rudy Gobert for a long time. And what you just hope is that it's moving forward in a productive way. And I think again, in the moment. Uh, it, it's easier. It's easier to say that is what's happening here, uh, Chris. Let's let's take one more break, and then I want to uh, I want to get into your Jalen Noel story because I think it's one. It was a really good just feature story, one of those detail stories that we don't get that often during the season. But it's also interesting because Jalen Noel, we don't know what his spot is in this rotation yep. now that uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker's out. So we'll take take one more break here, and then uh, come back with Chris. Today's show is sponsored by Factor, and this new year, I have been using Factor myself. I just feel a little bit too busy uh, during the Wolves season to cook, to grocery shop, to prep, shopping, prepping, cleaning up, all that. With Factor, they have fresh food, never frozen meals that are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat them and enjoy them. doesn't matter what your lifestyle is. Factor has delicious, flavor-packed meals to help you live it to the fullest if you're keto, calorie-smart vegan, veggie, or we want a protein plus option. They have all that on the menu each week. They're prepared by chefs 
and approved by dietitians. Each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. If you want to cut back on takeout, I know I do, get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready way faster than a restaurant, just two minutes. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash danemore50 and use code danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code danemore50 at factormeals.com slash danemore50 to get 50% off your first box. Today's show is sponsored by Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn, durable frames, and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. It's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back after you purchase. With Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com, use promo code DaneMore for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 20,000 people. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back with Chris Hine from the Star Tribune, who wrote a feature in the Sunday paper over at the Strib on... Not just Jalen Noel, but Jalen Noel, a, a primary character in it. But his, yeah. I, I guess I'll let you de- define uh, what Spencer Le- Am I saying Levy, right? Is it Levy? Levy, or Levy? Yeah. yeah. Spencer yeah. Spencer Levy, who has uh, been Jalen Noel's sort of basketball whisperer, coach, therapist, 
uh, stats film guru for him through the season. How, how did that story come to be? And uh, I'll ask you some more questions about it. But but what what stood out from uh, from the reporting on that story? Yeah, I just wanted to do uh, coming into the season. We knew Jalen was going to be having a, a bigger role. Um, and so basically from the start of the season, I wanted to do something kind of along the lines, like a deeper dive with him. And so I kind of, you know, in, in trying to figure out what that was, kind of, you know, met Spencer and, you know, I, you know, he and I had a, a couple of different conversations about like all that he and, and Jalen go into. I just thought it was a good way to kind of dive into what Jalen does. Just talk about how he goes about every day yeah. preparing all the film, all the work um, that in all the gym time that he and Spencer put in all the work that Spencer does and some of it, you know, makes it to Jalen's eyes, all the information and, and stuff that Spencer breaks down. A lot of it does not because Jalen either intentionally doesn't want it or is just, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's just not in the mood to receive it. Sure. So I, say, I think one thing you'll see in the piece is that, you know, there are times in the season where Jalen, you know, he, he it's a tough season sometimes, right? And he feels the pressure too. Yeah. He he knows what's out there being said about him, and you know that that fans you know think he's just a you know a chucker in some ways and things like that. Um, but at the same time, this is who he's been as a basketball player his whole life. Yeah, you know, he, is he supposed to be changing now? The team kind of wants him and needs him to score when he's in the game. Is he supposed to alter that mindset? Is it is it always going well? And he into his own admission, he said that too. But I think one thing you glean from this is it certainly isn't for a lack of effort or a lack of preparedness mm-hmm. um, each night. Um, so so I, I I encourage people to just give it a read and you know whether whether you are a fan of Jalen Noel's game or you're not and you're more frustrated by him, I think you'll still glean something about him as a person coming out of this that you know hopefully remove some of the vitriol you may feel for athletes on social media when you post yeah. about them and you see that just how much work he's he's putting into it um so I, it was multiple conversations you know over uh at a couple different points in this season and i i threw it all together when i was on the west coast and before that um and we got it in sunday's paper this time around it 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 is really it is a really detailed piece um, with a lot of different kind of chapters to it, small chapters to it. I, I I think though, one theme that that sticks out as you read it is the balance of thinking versus overthinking, right? Yeah. And and like if you're Jalen Noel, kind of like what you're hinting at, like if you're Jalen Noel, why do you want to think more? Why do you want to potentially overthink? Because you want to. You want to push this boundary as much as you can to, I mean, obviously to get as good as you can, to make as much as you can out of this opportunity, which is critical to him being in the fourth year of his contract, the last year of the of the deal he signed after being drafted. And he says to you in the piece about how, you know, oftentimes second round picks don't make it to that second contract. And Jalen enters this season without ever having really a consistent role, but knowing he's going to have one here and it basically is going to serve as his interview, right? To whether it be with the Timberwolves or some other team to get that second contract 
And not only to get that second tr- contract, but I mean, we, you and I have talked about this just like sitting around a, a few different times this year about how much it seems like what that contract is could vary, right? Like Noel could, yeah. there's been time, I mean, the, the beginning of the season when he came out really hot, you know, after a couple of weeks, we're like, yeah, man, maybe they should have given Jalen Noel an extension this summer because now he looks like he's going to be a eight, nine, $10 million a year player, right? That, that was the thought. And then there's, it's kind of careened the other way at times too, where you go, oh, this could kind of be like a Josh Kogi situation who finishes his rookie deal and then ends up signing for a minimum somewhere else, you know, like one and a half, two million bucks. Uh, that's a big difference. Like one year for two million bucks compared to multi years of eight million dollars a year. Like there's a there's a pressure to to all of that if you're if you're Jalen Noel. And I think Spencer is is one way in which they're trying to counteract that, right? And be efficient with the ink natural anxiety that comes with this, like channeling it. Yeah. But at the same time, if I'm being honest, I read that and I go, it feels like maybe sometimes this does cross into overthinking. And what impact is that having on on Jalen's overall, you know, psyche with this? Because if we just look at the numbers, man. I mean, his numbers are pretty much exactly the same shooting wise at the rim from mid-range. It's just the three-point shot, man. It is a crazy difference yeah. where yeah. 42% in non-garbage time last season, 31% at non-garbage time this year. That kind of makes the whole difference, and we know shooting is volatile, but what makes shooting volatile often when you do have a consistent role? Like, sometimes it's your role being up and down, but right. a lot of times what it is is it's just it's just the the mental element. So what stood out to you about them trying to navigate that line of thinking versus overthinking? So I think earlier in the season... Jalen was thinking a lot and trying to cram a lot of information in his head. Yeah. When he and when he and Spencer would talk and they talk for hours and Spencer lives with him when, you know, Spence is in Minnesota. Um, so they were around each other, talking to each other all the time. Like mm-hmm. it's that kind of relationship and bond and connection. Um, so early in the year, it was, it was, let's get as much information as we can. Who like so stuff like Who's going to be guarding Jalen? Who's he going to be guarding as well? But it's not just all offense, obviously. Good. I was going to um, ask you actually about there's, that. There's defense. Yeah. There's defense involved okay. in all these talks as well. But it's Jalen. So a lot of the focus is just on, you know, mm-hmm. or the stories on his offensive game. But um, so it's like, who's going to be guarding him? What are the matchups? What kind of defense is this, is this team playing? Mm-hmm. What are the reads in this situation? How is this defender different at defending the screen and roll or uh, defending, or, or if you get switched onto this guy, here's what you need to do against this guy. Right. You know, it's, it's like, it's like all that stuff that he's trying to process. Right. And so it could be, it could be a lot. Sure. It can be a lot, you know? Um, and he tries to work, you know, to certain spots of the floor that he feels the most comfortable shooting. And I think you just, you know, you just have to look at a shot chart to, to see where those spots are mm-hmm. and where he takes his highest volume of shots at. Um, so I think there was a little, there was a little bit of that um, early in the season. And then in about maybe mid to late January, I, I right. It was right. Right before the Dallas game actually was when I talked to him again uh, in Dallas, okay. uh, right before the Super Bowl or whatever, Day that was, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he mentioned that a couple weeks prior to that, 
he and he spends you know and his family got together and had a little chat about how his season was going and basically said you got to start playing freer mm-hmm. you got to start not trying to cram all this information try to see, seemingly remember it while you're out there on the floor right. and so now it's just been like he and spence go over film and at this point whatever sticks in jalen's head he's allowing to just stick in his head he's not trying to be like somebody cramming before a test to try and you know retain as much information as you can um he's just trying to let it let it come naturally however he absorbs the information is how he absorbs it they watch four or five different games on different screens at one time it's kind of a rapid fire process of like analyzing film in each in each uh on each screen um, it's very it's like unique playing process. poker when you would have like four tables going on your desktop well, at one time. Right, right. <laughs> it's, 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 but it's just a, it, it picture, you know, at a bar, you're trying to watch three or four different games or something like that, right? That's kind of how they analyze film. Interesting. Jalen says that's how he often watches the NBA. He's like, he's like, I got a game on TV. I got a game on my computer. I got a game on my phone. Hmm. So I'm already watching like three th- or four different games anyway. So let's incorporate that into how we how we break down the film. So. It's a lot. It's a, it, there's a lot there. Um, and that's why I encourage people to to go check it out um, because of the the attention to detail that they that they put in and just what their process is is like. So, do you think it's one of those things, kind of like we were talking about with Finch, where it, or players playing for Finch? There's a little bit of acclimation time, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where or last season, right? Really bad offensive team until January 1st and then they turn the corner right it's kind of like yeah one of these things that takes some time to pay dividends do you do you get the sense that that might be the case with this additional study from Jalen that it's maybe you even go down a little bit maybe through overthinking uh earlier in the process and then kind of the dividends pay off later on cuz it maybe like yeah. i mean before Jalen got hurt it, what was it, like seven, eight games right there, a little bit before the deadline, a little bit after, where he was shooting well over 40%. He was, he was playing better. Yeah, he was. You know, so there there is some signals that maybe, you know, it did come around. Or maybe, like you said, it's the, the talk with his family. It's the readjusting the adjustments or something like that that makes mm-hmm. it sort of come together. I, to me, that would, would make some sense, though. Now we're sitting here, and he's hurt right now with the left knee injury. And it's also seeming like whether or not I, I don't know what his role is going to be at all. I I don't think it's going to be the same, you know, twenty four minutes a game six man role. It's just things are getting more congested in there. So part of me wonders, are we going to even see this pay its dividends if if they are if they are coming down the road? I think that's an interesting wrinkle to all of this. Yeah, it, and they've been just kind of fine tuning this process. This is the first year he's done this, by the way. This right. is not some like it, the increased volume of 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 study and film because he knew he was going to be having a, a larger role this year. So this is something that he and Spencer, uh, mm-hmm. who's worked with him since he uh, since the draft process, um, have kind of hmm. done throughout the course of the season. As it pertains to his role, I think there's still a role for him because he's a bucket getter and they don't have a ton of bucket getters on this team. True. You know, I, I think that is his role. It, it fills a need for the way this roster is currently constructed. Mm-hmm. 
So I do think there is a place for him when he's healthy again. I don't think Nikhil Alexander-Walker has just right. subsumed his role and Austin Rivers' role into a supercharged 25-minute mm-hmm. guy kind of night. Um, if if Nikhil Alexander-Walker kept up that consistency, I think the Wolves would be over the moon. Right. Um, but he's a young player, young bench player. You know, let's see, let's see how consistent he is. They're going to need Jalen Noel down the stretch run of the season to have some good games. He is going to play. I, I would um, say because, they're because of the fact that he scores. Right. And they just don't have a lot of scorers mm-hmm. on this team right now. I mean, that that's the reason that Jalen has played all season through the ups and downs, right? I mean, it has right. been a team that has been far more thirsty for offense than it has been for defense pretty much, you know, the the entirety of the season. And and I, I still see that to, you know, to be the case, like literally if, if Jalen Noel can play tomorrow on Tuesday against the Sixers, like is injury wise cleared, I think it makes sense to play him because you've now paired the rotation down to nine guys with it being J-Mac, TP, Nas and Alexander Walker coming off the bench. So you, it's just been nine for the past couple games. So you could add another player into that to make it 10, you know, maybe cut back a couple minutes from now or Prince or who or J Mac and you know get Jalen back up to 15 minutes a game and I think that would make sense because this group needs offense I think then however long that time is there is going to be another shift in the rotation once Carl gets back which we know right. means one more offense so in theory less of a need for Jalen but what I also think is important for people to remember with Cat coming back is we're talking about at least once he's off his minutes restriction, we're talking about like 35 minutes a night. So it's not only that Carl is going to consume Nas's 18 minutes a night, right? He's also going to eat 17 other minutes from elsewhere in this group. So to me, once Carl's back, I think you have to be down to a nine-man rotation. And and then that's where I wonder if right. and when or how uh, Jalen does fit in. And it'll probably be determined by when he gets back, was he the player he was the eight games before he got hurt? Or was he the player he was for the majority of the 50 games prior to that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I to yep. me, that's, that's where Jalen Noel makes sense. He gets another opportunity to show something. I mean, it really doesn't take that long to show something. How many, I mean, Nikhil Alexander-Walker's played like three, four games and everyone's like, Right. extension right now you know like right. yeah, it's, right. it's time it to go one good week we, we found him. one good week and right. to be fair right. i'm kind of in that boat <laughs> right but uh right. but like at the same time like that that's what a bench roll is right you can go and get something in three four or five games and in mm-hmm. you know and and hold on to it i just think that's given the assumed carl's return given how we're seeing this rotation kind of makes sense right now for the first time all season i would say um, I think point being, I think Jalen Noel is kind of on a razor's edge of where of, of having opportunity in this team and back to the pressure. It's like if he's out of the rotation for the last 20 games of the season, you know, how does that impact his free agency this summer? Like that's that ties back to the pressure of the of this whole thing, yeah. which is kind of the goal, right, is to extend your career. Yep. Yeah, 100 percent. Everything you said is, is right on the nose. One of the hidden things of this season that I wonder about with him is, and I didn't really write about this at all in the piece, but it's something that I, that we've discussed and I, I've thought about 
is the effect of Jordan McLaughlin's availability yep. on him. Mm-hmm. And even since Jordan has been back, they haven't played much together. Right. Um, and Jordan hasn't been himself, mm-hmm. you know, to his own admission. So does it look different for Jalen when there's a fully healthy Jordan McLaughlin and he's fully healthy yeah, out there at the same time, the way it was for, mm-hmm. you know, most of the early part of Jalen's career here. But dude, it, the uh, reason he was getting 24 minutes a game was because J-Mac was out and Jalen Noel was playing point guard. Right. You right, know what exactly. I mean? So I'm with you. I think Jalen Noel and J-Mac fit together well like that is i i mean i'm when i talked to jalen in denver uh right before the trade deadline he was just like oh my god i'm so excited to not play point guard anymore and yeah like literally <laughs> and and but what's weird about this okay okay like j mac's back you don't have to play point guard but now that's j mac getting 16 17 minutes a night right like yeah those are kind of your minutes too so it's a uh, we're getting back to the point where the wolves are kind of a deep team uh, that's just getting healthy. Like they, I think they came into the season as decently deep, you know, guys like Nas stepping up, uh, Nikhil stepping up, like it makes it even more so that way. I just, uh, yeah, I, Jalen's in an interesting spot here. And as I think you would cop to, too, it's like these guys where you've covered them. I mean, this is our fourth year covering Jalen Noel. Like mm-hmm. you want as a human you want these side projects to work, right? You you want to see a kid who works hard. It seems like a good kid by all indications, a kid who's been through a lot of different stuff to, you know, to, to find success, get that payday. I mean, Jalen Wells made like yeah. six million, eight million bucks in in four years, which is a ton of money, but it's that's about as little as you can make in in four years. So yeah. You you know you you want the or I I'll say you know I I want this to work out for Jalen Noel as a as a person. It's just uh, this is why the NBA is tough, man. It's, it's why like, the NBA is tough, isn't it? Right. It, I mean, the, the team the team makes a trade and it makes a mm-hmm. a two for one trade, and suddenly there's another guy fighting for Boom. bench minutes, you know, and he comes in and he starts playing well, and you know that might mean your minutes are gone, and you know I. I think I, I tweeted this the other day. I think it, I think Nikhil's emergence has meant that Austin Rivers is yeah. buried more on the rotation than mm-hmm. Jalen Noel is because because Jalen Noel does something different yes. than Austin Rivers does, and Nikhil Alexander Walker does a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so I'm he's going to get a chance. He's going to get a chance. Like he's going to play um, when he gets back. Maybe not right right away, but there's. Mm-hmm. He's going to get back out there, or I mean, um, an injury like uh, oh, with or like in, or right, or, or an injury happens, right? Exactly. Yeah, Kyle injury, Anderson. Injury, whatever, an injury yeah. happens Tuesday, and all this goes out the window, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. Um, all this rotation talk. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get a chance to play. the The thing with the shooting that I'll bring up, um, and it's mentioned early in the piece. Um, we were talking about how how his shooting and Jalen. I can think I can say this on the podcast had a great quote to us earlier in the season yeah. where we were asking about his three point shooting. He's like, man, I'm shooting like ass out there. <laughs> right. It was a hilarious moment hilarious. Uh, after one of the games. Um, I believe it was, I'm but, shooting but, like ass, bro. <laughs> I yeah. think it was you who asked about it. Um, and so they, looked at like just how he was shooting and they determined that he was not using the right muscle groups when he was shooting 
Um, and Zealand's, you know, said, you know, sometimes my shot can, you know, elbow or what, what have you kind of arm veers off to the side. So he was doing a little bit of that as well. And it's all kind of tied together. Um, so they worked on his mechanics for a long time. Yeah. And that was right before he turned it around for like the last mm -hmm. eight games or so before he got hurt. And he had that big Utah game, the night of the deadline yep. um, where he scored like 30. Um, so that was right around that time. That I, I, I talked to him in to a shot. I talked to him in Denver, um, which was the day before that that Utah game, and and what he said to me was, "It's uh, he's like I was just shooting actually right before this, and and Kyle Anderson came up to me and was like, when you stick it, like when you really like hold your form and really like more of a yep. set looking shot, like that shot goes in." And he goes. That's actually what I've been talking about with my coaches and stuff like that, which yeah. now I know was probably Spence um, was was yeah. was part of the thing there. And, and that was that's a big change. And maybe people can picture this a little bit better. What we're seeing, we saw from Mike Conley, uh, you know what? He made like three, four threes last game. Conley has like a stick it shot, like when he's a little bit more open and it's an open catch yeah. and shoot shot where he's really holding it there. And what we've seen and will continue to see, because it's just how Mike shoots, he also has like a quicker trigger a quicker shot. shot. Yeah. yeah. And Jalen has that same sort of thing too. And I don't know exactly what the how they would term that sort of thing. My thing with Jalen, I remember I, I actually asked him about this at Media Day. And because I've noticed that with just watching him shoot, is he has that same thing of two different three-point shots. And and I remember what Jalen said at that media day was like, oh, you know, it's it's been working for me, whatever. He shoot, shot 40% from three last season. Um, but those are two different shots. And I think I'm just trying to paint some picture to like what the different muscle groups look like, what the different mechanics look like. Because yeah. I think not just you and I, but anybody who's watching this team closely has seen that. Like, is it the set Jalen shot or is it the quick trigger Jalen shot? Is it the set Mike shot or is it the quick trigger uh, Mike shot? And those those are those are different things. And I'm sure if and when you go through those things and you were to detail the percentages from each of those shots, I would imagine the set shot goes in uh, more more frequently, though I understand you don't always have the time to like cue it up Kyle Anderson style and 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 shoot it in that sort of way. But that's a big distinction I look at when I look at the the difference in 30 percent versus 40 percent in three three point shooting for Jalen this year. And also what we need to factor into all this is Jalen was already a high volume offensive player, even in low minutes last season. But that, like, he's shooting 23 and a half shots per 100 possessions this year. And that was after last year, he shot 20.2 per 100 possessions. Like, that is high volume. That already was high volume shooting. And now he's ratcheting it up to, to an even, you know, an even higher level. So, um, th there's just a, th there's a lot of factors in it, but I I think that I think that's what Jalen and and Spence are getting at is what is the best shot for you that is going to get these efficiency numbers going up. It's uh yeah. it'll be interesting to track. They and they they mentioned that too is about kind of just holding the shot, mm -hmm. um you know and and following and holding the follow through and right. holding that and you know, holding that all the way through the shot. That's some that they that they have talked about, and mm -hmm. so it's. It's a, it's a fascinating look at how he has really it's every day it's relentless like it's the nba schedule 
And so they do this every day. They do this for every game. Insane. Um, and you know, I don't know how he isn't mentally burned out. Personally, I would be. Well, I think I think actually I take that back. I think there are days right. um that where he is mentally burned out. And and Spence kind of alludes to that in the piece. Yeah. Um, where it's just like, you know, some days he's just not wanting to answer, you know, right. uh some of these questions that that the film has for him. So so it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting look at, at, at you know a guy like you said a guy that we've i think enjoyed covering yeah. getting to know uh, over these last couple of years and like you said you know you, you end up wanting to see these guys do well you know you, you get a bit of a relationship with them right um you know like look at josh Akogi and phoenix right now you right. know it's like <laughs> it's like, kind of, yeah, kind of, a, similar, kind of yeah. a similar thing right yeah. um you know so you know we'll see how the how the rest of the season uh plays out for him here but i do think his opportunity he's not just going to be stuck to the bench when he gets back healthy yeah it, it it was a really it was a really good piece uh from chris obviously you can just find it it's up there on his his twitter profile but it's it's titled at the star tribune an inside look at jalen noel at how jalen noel is navigating and now i can't read the rest of it jalen noel <laughs> at the star <laughs> tribune from uh from chris there um i i thought it was a really good piece chris i always you always have a a few of these this season. I mean, we were kind of joking about Jared Bayless, but it, it reminded me of that Jared Bayless piece you wrote on kind of the the personality side of of these guys. And and Jalen says it in the pieces. People forget that you know we're human too. So I always I think it's a really important space in journalism, particularly sports journalism, where we tend to focus on the results a lot more than the the person that is leading to the results or, or lack thereof. So I really, yeah, I really would suggest everybody uh, checking out Chris's piece. Uh, Chris, they're the sixth seed Philadelphia on, on Tuesday. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep doing it and uh, we'll, we'll see where this team goes. You got any like last second thoughts on the six seeded Minnesota Timberwolves who are certainly stay in that position for more than 24 hours uh, i don't know how yeah i was just gonna say i don't know how long they're gonna be yeah. the six-seeded minnesota timberwolves hey man it uh, could go up too it's not listen listen who knows who the hell knows right <laughs> um it's a tough week tough week coming up here mm-hmm. and i think uh somebody pointed this out on twitter yesterday uh you know with the the day that the Memphis Grizzlies have had the other day. Yeah. Memphis has a lot of teams on their schedule coming up, apparently that are right around the wolves in the standings. Mm. So this is, you know, just from a basketball standpoint, uh, not the best time for the Grizzlies to be going through it uh, huh. for the, for the wolves sake. Did know, not realize that. Yeah. I think they play golden State. I think they play Dallas. They play golden state. They play, I, I want to they play the Clippers last night, obviously. Um, so I think there's, there's a number of matchups there. But I mean, um, we we learned this some last year too. Matter. It still doesn't matter. Like, remember, um, remember, well, didn't they go twenty and two without Jaw last year? Not that that's like yeah, perfectly yeah, yeah. Uh, indicative. Did. But I yeah. mean, they, they didn't look broke. I mean, I watched like the end of their game last night and just was kind of looking at mm-hmm. the box. Like, yes, it's John Morant is out, and it's not just John Morant. You know, Brandon Clark tears his Achilles, and that it's they are they are a wild card. Memphis is in this whole Western Conference when we talk about the last 15, 16 games of the year in terms of seeding, but also like, I mean, for a month now, I've been saying, you know, Sacramento is kind of the ideal matchup to grab. If you're in that kind of bottom of the West, middle bottom of the West grouping, but yeah, we'll, we'll learn about what Memphis is without job because I don't, I mean, 
I don't want to speculate, who but I, I yeah, who knows yeah. that, that that's, that's the way to put it. So they, they are very much an evolving team. Phoenix, I think is evolving in a, in a positive direction. Like it remains very confusing to prognosticate the Western conference. Um, but the variables I think are shifting and, and the wolves being one of those variables too, at least right now is like, they're a team. I think objectively that everyone believes in a lot more than the Pelicans right now or the yeah. jazz right now, you know, or the certainly more than the thunder blazers, Lakers below them. Like this is, this is going to move and shake here the the rest of the way. And Chris, we'll, we'll continue uh, tracking yeah. it um, in your writing and, and here on the pod. I, I appreciate you doing it. Again, you guys can uh, read Chris over at the Star Tribune. You can follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hine. I will be back after the Sixers game on Sixers games on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday morning, I will be with uh, Chase Frederick to, to get into whatever goes down there. Um, until then, he's Chris. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I stop, yeah. Green it so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around